Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in into another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Communications Manager at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Now, for those of you familiar with NCIA, which is hopefully everybody listening, we advocate for the legal cannabis industry and since being founded in 2010 have defended the legal legitimate cannabis industry. One of our two big issues that we take to Capitol Hill and to members of Congress is banking access and 280E taxes. The taxes are killing us. So today, I have two guests from two different NCIA members to talk more about that. Uh, Calvin from Bridge West CPAs and Nick from Greenspoon Martyr. Bridge West CPAs is a firm where Calvin Shannon is principal, and it's one of the first accounting firms in the world to focus slowly on the cannabis and hemp industries. Since 2009, the practice has expanded to more than 400 cannabis and hemp clients nationwide. Now, Greenspoon Martyr is a national full-service business law firm with over 200 attorneys in 26 locations across the United States. Nick Richards is a partner in the tax practice group at Greenspoon Martyr. He represents individuals and businesses in tax audits and trials, mergers and acquisitions, managing tax debt, and he advises cannabis companies, owners, and investors regarding tax and regulatory compliance matters. Welcome to you both. I'm happy to have you on the show today. Yes, thank you, Bethany. Bethany. I appreciate to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Absolutely. Glad to have you both. So uh, let's start by getting to know you both. Let's hear a little bit briefly about your background and your experience before you started practicing in the cannabis world. Uh, Calvin, let's start with you. Yes. I've been a CPA for over 20 years, work with clients to provide audit accounting and tax solutions. To some large extent, the work I do now hasn't changed much since I began working in Canvas clients beyond the fact currently I spend a lot of my time addressing the problem of 280E, which you had just discussed. Got it, got it. All right, Nick. Yeah, uh, thanks, Bethany. I, um, I've i been uh, a tax lawyer for about 22 years or so now. I started out in the IRS as a trial lawyer uh, and I um, litigated a lot of cases on behalf of the IRS while I was a trial lawyer. I left about 12 years ago or so, and I had my first 280E audit in 2013 and um, saw that there was a need for some um, qualified representation in the area and um, started kind of talking about 280E um, to other tax professionals. And, um, you know, the, the, the cannabis industry is, is – uh, it's like a, a sticky river. Once you're once you're part of it, it just just you just keep on flowing downstream. 
<laughs> well, that leads me to my next question. I, I, I'm always curious to hear not only what people did before getting involved in cannabis, but then how did you get involved in cannabis? You know, did you fall backwards accidentally into it? Or, you know, some people have, have a passion for the plant or the social justice issues and found a way to merge their professional skills with the movement. So uh, how was that for you? How was that transition into cannabis? Yeah, this is Calvin. I'll go first. I, I was fortunate to be able to work with one of the two license holders here in Minnesota as they were just starting their, their new venture. And I'm still working to them um, today as they've grown into a large publicly traded company. But this provided me with an opportunity to learn more, to learn and understand tax and accounting issues that up to that, to, up to that point in time, very few CPAs had been exposed to. I found the challenge of working in, in this emerging industry to be something I wanted to pursue more. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that, Nick? You know, there was just when, when I was um, new, newly departed from the IRS and 280E was showing up on the scene, there was a lot of sort of what I would call misinformation out there around 280E. And I was really interested in, in trying to help people understand the law as it, as it really is and helping people to, you know, get good results in, in their dealings with the IRS. And I saw an opportunity for that. Um, you know the tax system is is very complex, and if if you if you had a, a stack of uh, internal revenue codes and treasury regs sitting there, you know it would be as tall as you are. And um, you know I've been doing this for for twenty some years, and started out with ten years at the IRS, and there's a fraction of that code that I know about. And um, it, succeeding with the IRS can can be um, a sort of a multi-step thing where, you know, first there's filing and then there's audit and then there's tax court and then there's collections. And at each stage along the way, there's certain things that you need to understand in order to be able to, you know, come out on top, so to speak. And um, it just, uh, as somebody with a, with a substantial sort of non-cannabis tax background, I I found that um, people were, were were seeking me out for for sound advice around two A to E. Taxes are no joke, um, and I almost chuckled when you said something along the lines of uh, help them to have good results and a good experience with the, the IRS, because yeah. I, I don't think I hear many stories about that. It, it can it can be very much a pain and. Um, yeah, the IRS is serious business. And when we're talking about the cannabis industry, which was largely underground for decades, you know, there, there was not meticulous record keeping on purpose. Uh, so yeah. what a whole new world to be in. Um, so fast forwarding to today, uh, now each of you are leading these topics in your respective firms. Um, Let's learn more about what you're doing today in the year 2020 and, and what's going on with the company. I know both of your companies have expanded so big over the last few years itself. So, so where are we at now as we look into this wild year that never seems to end <laughs> with a new roller coaster uh, and into the next decade as well? So currently, my, my typical day um, could be very different depending on what time of, time of year it is. Obviously, you know, during mm -hmm. February, March, and, and April, I'm spending Next most time. of my time, yeah, assisting assisting clients with their annual financial reporting and, and tax compliance needs. Um, 
during the off season, uh, a lot more of my time is spent providing consulting solutions uh, to, to clients, which would, you know, uh, 280E mitigation, things mm-hmm. like that, marketing, um, training staff. And with Bridge West, just chugging along, filing those taxes for cannabis industry, is that right? Correct. Absolutely. That's solely we're focused on on the cannabis industry, not just tax compliance, but as well as uh, um, financial reporting and, and consulting, things like that. Excellent. Super important. Uh, as for you, Nick? Yeah, you know, so my practice, I don't, I don't file returns, so my, my practice isn't seasonal like um, Calvin's is. Um, I, I get involved in the, in what we could, I would call tax controversy. So the, the sort of post-filing stuff, the trials and the, the, the audits and the debt issues and those kind of things. And, and, you know, I, I represent, um, uh, cannabis companies and, and non-cannabis companies alike in state, local, uh, and, and IRS matters. And so, you know, right now I probably have a dozen or so, um, active, uh, audits going on, probably that many cases in U.S. tax court as well for federal tax matters. But I probably have another dozen state tax matters I'm handling, and and um, probably about the same amount of local tax matters as well. So the city of Denver and and surrounding jurisdictions here in Colorado, and then uh, local local tax matters in the state of California as well as well where I'm licensed to practice. So. Um, a lot of that kind of stuff. And then I also do a lot of advising on, on as Calvin does, 280E uh, mitigation. And Calvin and I do some of that advising together, as a matter of fact. And then, you know, I advise a lot on entity structure. There's 280E is a, is a, is a unique thing that creates a real unique need of understanding when selecting what kind of entity that you're in. And um, you know, uh, I was on the National Cannabis Bar Association webinar last week, and I said something like, look, people, if you think you know how to form a cannabis entity, but you don't know what 280E is, you're wrong. You don't know how to form a cannabis entity. And so I do a lot of, of advising on that that process, too. Yeah, super important. Between 280E of the IRS tax code, which we will do a deep dive into after the next commercial break, and lack of banking access for our industry. It's it's really for those that have a passion to get into this industry, but don't know about those two hurdles. That's lesson number one. It is it probably comes as a shock to people. Wait, cannabis doesn't have banking access? Yeah, yeah. A lot of cash floating around, which is something that we're trying to fix. Cash floating around our communities is a little bit of a public safety risk. Uh, in addition to these cannabis businesses, just paying out the wazoo, effective 70, 80% or more tax rate for sure. We're going to go and way more into any of this. Each other. Let me say one thing, they affect each other too, right? Because lack of banking makes it harder to have records, as you mentioned. But also, if you take a bad 280E position, you get audited and the IRS may issue a summons to your bank. And if the bank receives a summons, it may cancel your bank account. And so it, they, they really feed off of each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. We're going to take our first commercial break and then we'll come back to talk more with Calvin and Nick about the 280E dark cloud hanging in the sky. All right. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling with the sweet taste of Shuggies. 
Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at s-h-o-o-g-i-e-s dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. Plant Profits. I'm Vern Davis, and I'd like to introduce you to some of the most forward-thinking executives and companies in the cannabis industry. We call them the Plant Profits. Each week on Plant Profits, we talk to the people at the forefront of the industry, creating real companies and career opportunities. We'll learn from the people leading the charge into the promised land of profit. Plant Profits is powered by Protus Global, people solutions firm that has been building companies, changing lives since 1995. P-R-O-T-I-S global.com, Protus Global. Find Plant Profits now at CannabisRadio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. (laughs) They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 gardens garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we've been getting to know Calvin from Bridge West CPAs and Nick from Green Spoon Martyr, both of which have incredible insight into Section 280E of the IRS tax code, which directly impacts the cannabis industry. So let's just jump right in by talking about that burden on our industry. As I mentioned before the commercial break, cannabis businesses are paying 70, 80% or more effective tax rates simply because cannabis is a Schedule One substance. Boo-hoo. Uh, but you both recently co-authored a blog. Uh, it was published in early May on NCIA's website that talks about some interesting nuances in the tax code that you are taking a very close look at right now. Uh, so I'd like to definitely talk about that. Calvin, will you share your thoughts on that first? Yes, absolutely. I'd be happy to. So Section 471C was part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, which was a piece of legislation effective 
January 1st, 2018. I'd paraphrase the language of 471C as eligible taxpayers are not required to account for inventories under Section 471A and may follow a method of accounting that either treats inventory as non-incidental materials and supplies or conforms to the taxpayer's equitable financial statements. If the taxpayer doesn't have equitable financial statements, it may account for inventories following its books and records in accordance with its accounting procedures. Taxpayers with less than $26 million in 2019 in average sales for the previous three years who are not a tax shelter are eligible to account for inventory using Section 471C rather than the prescribed Section 471A. Twenty-six million dollars in revenue per year. That's 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 a lot of money, huh? Interesting. Uh, Nick, did you have anything to add about about this nuance that you're that you're looking at here? Absolutely. Um, so I, I think um, Shannon kind of read this code section a little bit there, and I, I think I'd like to kind of just paraphrase it a little bit. Um, so first off. Um, if you're over 26 million, you don't qualify. And if you have applicable financials, you don't qualify. Um, applicable financials is basically public companies, more or less. But there's, it's more to that, so you need to talk to your advisor about that. But um, assuming that you're neither of those, then what the code section says is that Section 471A does not apply. And I want to get back to that. And so long as your, your, your taxes are prepared according to your internal books of, and records, they shall not fail to accurately reflect inventory. And so that is a hugely important thing because um, um, 471A, the code section that 471C says doesn't apply, is the code section that all of our case law on 280E is based. It is the code section that tells the IRS that the IRS can determine what is cost of goods sold and what is not cost of goods sold. And if we back up to what 280E is, 280E allows cost of goods sold, but nothing else. And so if it's not cost of goods sold, you don't get to deduct it. And so along comes 471C and says, none of that applies. That really leaves us with no law. All the law we have is based upon 471A that no longer applies. And it says that that doesn't apply in so long as you um, report your taxes according to your internal books and records, that that shall not fail to accurately reflect income. That is a huge, huge statement because our entire tax system is based upon an effort to accurately reflect income. That is what the 16th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution says, is that the, is that the IRS has the right to promulgate regulations to accurately reflect income. But here comes the legislature on 471C and says, if you just do it this way, it accurately reflects income. So it's a hugely, hugely, hugely powerful thing uh, that has an, an amazingly far um, reach in, in validating the position that is taken on a tax return so long as it conforms to the position in the books and records. And that's the critical piece that really that, that anyone who wants to go this route needs to focus on making sure their books and records are up to speed here. And they got to be good. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, taxes are pretty complicated, definitely over my head. Um, with this 471 little C, what, what could that actually mean for a 
cannabis operator and their profitability potential? How, how theoretically would this work? Yeah, so Nick started answering really kind of that question in, his, in our last response, but I'll you know expand some on that. So if subsection A is what really gave the IRS teeth to prescribe how to calculate inventory and what expenditure should or shouldn't be characterized as inventoryable costs, then if subsection A doesn't apply, it would seem to provide some latitude to taxpayers to account for inventory in a way that would characterize maybe more, maybe most, maybe even all of the taxpayer's cost as cost to be capitalized inventory. It seemed noteworthy that the IRS points to these related regulations in its chief, chief counsel memorandum from 2015 as a source of guidance to taxpayers and what they can and can't characterize as inventoryable costs. So it, put another way, potentially it'd be reasonable, a reasonable position for taxpayers to not account for inventory as prescribed in the 471 regulations. This could put the taxpayer in a position where more cost would be capitalized in inventory and then included as cost of goods sold as the inventory is sold and consequently less cost would be non-deductible expenses subject to 280E. What are the savings we're really looking at here? Let's say if we're following the books by 280E, and the average cannabis operator is, say, paying 75%, just to put a number on it. What does this, what does this help out to, how do the numbers crunch down if you can effectively apply 471C? You know, I'll, I'll make a couple comments to that and then let Nick follow up. But basically, this would put a cannabis operator on the same footing as, as uh, other taxpayers and that they would be paying tax um, at, at the effective rate of, of, you know, whatever they should be according to, to the tax rules. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bethany, I'll give you some numbers. So um, I, for, a, for a taxpayer that is around maybe, maybe a couple million to say three million a year or so, this is probably bottom line, $100,000 in their pocket uh, at the end of the year. Um, for a taxpayer in that, I just, uh, we just did an analysis on a taxpayer that's about four and a half million. This was a $280,000 bottom line annual money in, in, in her pocket. Um, and then, uh, yesterday I was on the phone with some folks that are around 20 million in annual revenue. And, you know, that's about, it's about almost 3 million a year. Uh, and, and this is, this is money in the owner's pockets. I mean, this is real money. Um, right. so it, it's very, very significant. Uh, and you know, I, I don't think we've said this yet, but it's important for everyone to know that this is a brand new code section. The previous law doesn't apply. And so we can't say for certain that this works, but right. it is it, the, the code section itself is is very clear it's very straightforward for it not to work you almost would have to say that the code section is wrong which is highly unlikely this is this is an actual internal revenue code section passed by the u.s legislature so it has a really super high level of authority in the law higher than any tax court case higher than any regulations out there so it it rises to a very high level for it to for it to not work as it says it does, it would have to be unconstitutional. 
and that's the only that's the only law that is then above it, right? And um, and I can't see that it would be unconstitutional. So it, it it has a lot of it's very attractive. One of the things that's also important to say is that it requires what's called a change of accounting method for any for any taxpayer that isn't a brand new taxpayer. And that change of accounting method is automatic. And it's really powerful because you get to inform the IRS of what you're doing and they can't say no. And so we get to disclose, we get to be completely transparent and the IRS has to say yes. So it's a very powerful um, position to take. And even for people who don't want to go all the way, Calvin said you could put a little more into to cost of goods sold. And let's be let's be clear, if it's not in cost of goods sold, you don't get to deduct it. So if you put a little more in a cost of goods sold, that's a little more you get to reduce your your income by. If you put everything into cost of goods sold, now 280E doesn't apply because there's no deduction left over. But making that 471C change of accounting method election will justify whatever position you take. And so everybody out there in the cannabis industry needs to talk to their professionals about this, become informed about it. The professional can't make a decision for the, for the, for the um, company owner. The company owner has to make that decision herself. And it's really kind of a, 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 a decision that involves what sort of tolerance for risk do they have and how far do they want to go. It's really, really, really important to have those discussions. Yeah, makes perfect sense. Okay, let's jump and take our last commercial break, and then we'll be right back to wrap up our conversation with Calvin and Nick, and maybe find out what business owners can do if they want to learn more about this. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Empire, a show dedicated to exploring the many potential therapeutic uses of the cannabis plant. Once a cornerstone of healing and now making a heroic comeback, cannabis has the potential to promote health and well-being, bring the body back to homostasis, and foster recovery for a healthier way of living. Empire focuses on a diverse range of serious health issues, presenting views ranging from those of patients and their loved ones through those of researchers and medical professionals. Welcome to Hempire. Oh, let the marijuana llama tell you something now. About a game for your phone, gonna make you say, wow! The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put different celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Cheech and Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Hemping, that's the point. Download and play while you like yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh yeah, get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Trends and technology, processes and products. We cover these areas and more on the cutting edge of cannabis. Be informed from the latest initiators of new innovation. Learn about the latest breakthroughs and best practices in the cannabis and hemp industries. Better products, better infrastructure, and better sustainability. The cutting edge of cannabis. Consulted by the American Cannabis Company. Yeah. 
Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore, and we've been talking with Nick and Calvin uh, from Bridge West CPAs and Greenspoon Martyr. Sorry if I got the names and companies out of order there, but uh, I've been learning a lot about something that's very much over my head as a non-tax and accounting professional. Way over my head. I'm really happy when I file my regular employee taxes every year. There's an online program that just guides me through with little pictures and everything. So uh, always, I think what you said before the break, consult your tax professionals, consult your attorneys, um, always to get more advice and that decisions around these are are up to the business owner, depending on how much risk they would like to take. Um, so I wonder if there's a business owner listening who is curious and they want to find out if they can potentially benefit from 471C, what should they go do? Calvin? Yeah, um, just to expand on, on you know, the, the conversation we were previously having, consult your, your tax professional. And that absolutely is the first step for, for a license holder if they wanted to uh, investigate whether this would be a good fit for them. I, I mentioned maybe one more comment in that, it, you know, make sure the, the tax professional that you would be using is familiar with the cannabis industry. Um, that would be yeah. helpful. Uh, and then, you know, when, when you go to them, um, I honestly, just start talking a lot of, about a lot of the things that, that we've been discussing previously. Um, there, there could be a, an accounting change involved. Um, emphasize that uh, good, accounting, good accounting records um, and accounting procedures documented are, are critical if you intend on having success taking this position. And then lastly, and Nick had discussed this some before, is make sure you understand what your exposure, meaning if this doesn't work out and your position is overturned, successfully overturned by the IRS, what are you looking at having to pay in, in taxes? Um, make What's sure your backup you, plan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> What's your backup that, that, plan? Yeah. CYA. That, they got probably, it. So be prepared to pay the full amount, the 70, 80, 90%, but gotcha. Yeah, that's good advice. Uh, Nick, did you have anything to add to that? You know, and I would just say that, um, you, I, I reiterate what Calvin said, you know, make sure your, your, your professional has experience in the cannabis industry with 280E. It's, it's not like other industries. Um, and, and is a, is a real tax, you know, CPA, accountant, lawyer, whatever that is. Um, and then one of the really, 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 because, because, because the code section throws out 471A and the law as we know it, the only thing that then is left are the books and records of the taxpayer, which the code section says you have to be in conformity with. That is hugely important. And that is where the IRS will focus. And many people won't, won't qualify for that because they won't, they won't take good books and records and their books and records won't conform with their tax return. And so they'll lose under 471C. And so there's some, there's some work to be done here and, you know, get your accounting up to speed, get your books and records up to speed, talk to your return preparer. If you're, if you're return, if your bookkeeper is different than your return preparer, make sure that they are aligned and are on the same page. And if you've been, you know, saving money on not, 
um, spending money on your books and records, now's the time to spend that money because it, if this works, it's going to save you a boatload. But if you don't spend that money, this is not going to work. Makes sense. And you've got a, you've got a great qualified accountant on this phone that, that on this line. That's not me that can do these things. Um, and, and um, there's many others out there as well, but you really, you really gotta, you really gotta take this up to, to that next level. Yeah, absolutely. That, you know, the one last comment is this would be certainly a, an avenue that the IRS could use to attack the position to the extent that you don't, you don't have this well in place. Got it. Really good advice. All right. So as we just have another minute or so here of, of the show, um, I did want to mention that Greenspoon Martyr was one of the sponsors of NCIA's ninth annual Cannabis Industry Lobby Days in Washington, D.C. Uh, it was last May in 2019, and our 10th annual Lobby Days was scheduled for mid-May this year as well. But we have thus far mm -hmm. pushed it back to September uh, this is one of the best things that NCIA does every year. I mean, we have great trade shows. We have great regional networking events. We have a great podcast. But we also have a great Lobby Days event where we actually get to talk with members of Congress and their staffs and educate them and rub shoulders with people who are actually making change around the Beltway and in the halls of Congress. Uh, so just wanted to thank Greenspoon Martyr again for being a sponsor of NCIA's Lobby Days last year and the importance uh, I'd like to emphasize of staying in contact with not only our um, senators and members of the House, um, also at the state level as well. And even down to, depending on, you know, what your, um, what city you live in or where you're at, maybe, maybe you should have a relationship with the local sheriff or any kind of regulator. It's, it's important as a cannabis industry professional to try to seek transparency, accountability, and go out of your way to create relationships and friendships with those people in your community and people in places of power. So we only have about 10 seconds left, but I wanted to thank you both for being on the show and really explaining this really complicated, but yet really, really important part of the challenges being faced in the cannabis industry. Uh, where can our listeners find out more about each of your companies and reach out if they'd like to? Calvin? Um, yes, the, the Bridge West website would, would certainly be the, the best place to stop and then our, all of our contact information would be on there. So we look, hope, look forward to hearing from everyone. Anyone. Great. And Nick? Yeah, Bethany, thank you. You know, I'll also add another little plug for my firm. We uh, at, at uh, Greenspoon Martyr, we're also handling the Harborside Appeal. And so uh, there are some briefs out there on the internet that we've just filed in that case, which I would invite everybody to read. And uh, happily, um, they, they do support the, the viability of the 471C position as well. Um, uh, we, we're located at gmlaw.com. That's greenspoonmartyrlaw.com. My email is nick.richards at gmlaw.com. And my phone number is 720 I'm sorry, 720-370-1169. Had to look at my business card there. Great. <laughs> <laughs> right. Call yourself often. All right. Well, thanks again to you both for being on the show. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time.
The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.